the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I've got another piece of property that I added to my collection of wealth or liabilities. Knowing that I have a payment coming up tells me that it's a liability and it's not an asset. Knowing that Apple's going to pay me a dividend in 90 days is an asset and not a liability. So work with that. Tony Mendez from Bay Area Loan Sources here today. Hello. We live in an interesting state. Like you have a brother who's in real estate. Your sister-in-law is in real estate. Your brother kind of is in real estate. Um, but he thinks real estate's the best thing in the world. And your brother was a pretty smart guy out of high school. He got a Domino's franchise and did that probably for 10, 15 years. 22 years. 22 years. Wow. Time. Um, he, he got a six-figure salary out of it, and then that all went away because a lot started happening pretty aggressively with Papa John's and Pizza Hut's and Domino's and getting your store lease location, keeping things you know uh, going. But he's in love with real estate. He, he wasn't in love with real estate in his 20s. Wasn't in love with real estate in his 25s, 30, mm-hmm. 35. But the moment he got into that high-paying, high-commission job where if you sell six houses a year and in Northern Virginia or New York City or California, a coastal town, you've done pretty well. Six houses a year, that doesn't sound like much. Yeah, and, and uh, they've, they've done well. I think what you're leading towards is that they, they did put a lot into one basket. Uh, when it's all said and done, they, they gravitated towards real estate as opposed to, like my brother's biggest mistake is he didn't do a 401k for himself or an IRA. Um, you know, he pretty much just paid his house, paid for it. He had four kids. I mean, that was the other, um, big thing that all four kids have student loan debt, by the way. Um, and he went to real estate and he's still buying actively real real estate, uh, leveraging some properties and not leveraging others and using cash flows on, uh, some vacation homes, some rentals. And the point that I'm trying to get at, is, I, think I, I was hoping I was on the right track. Yeah, the point that I'm trying to get at is that he's in love with it. If he were in Raleigh, North Carolina, where the average house is $150,000 versus $600,000, $800,000 house. Right. They'd have to sell two or three or four more homes or times amount right. of homes to be in the same kind you're, of You're situation. more of a, and I hate to use this word because it sounds bad, but you're almost kind of more of a Bubba. <laughs> if you're in, you know, you may have a son named Bubba if you're in North Carolina real estate versus, you know, high end uh, Washington, D.C. or San Francisco or L.A. Um, like I know some realtors in some smaller cities that, that they're just part of the the, the blood of the the city, whereas high end areas you are like real estate's the greatest thing ever. They, you, you always become a little more snobbier, or you you you're a little more defensive of how great it is versus it's just a home that you remember the guy who sold us uh, or sold me a house in Raleigh, North Carolina. You met him, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, just, you want to smoke some weed after the <laughs> transaction? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> he was pretty trippy. He was pretty trippy. That's well said. So one of the areas that we get into arguments and, and conversations, and I think that's the greatest thing about real estate is like 
when I tell you a realtor in, in Biloxi, Mississippi, they're, they're not pulling in, you know, high six figures. They're not getting $60,000 commissions. Um, they're working it, so to speak. And they're, it's a little less lucrative of a job, a little less luster, so to speak. But um, one area that I'm, I'm, I'm depressed on because I just don't see how it resolves. And they, one of the things I, I say, I don't want to die because I kind of want to see where technology goes. I'm going to miss seeing like a brand new watch. I'm going to miss seeing a brand new, you know, in, implantable or whatever you want to say. But uh, housing, I just, how does it end in California when, you know, homes are going for $2 million and shacks that are made out of wood and, and don't have burned down houses toilets. going for a million dollars in San Jose. Yeah. yeah. How does it all end? And you just showed me some statistics from earlier this week that, uh, the level of negative domestic migration was far greater in 2006. People who are lower income are leaving the state. People who are higher income are coming, coming into, into the, the state. state. But there's some jobs that are low income jobs, like realtors in other cities, but not here. Well, it kind of highlights the issue of affordable housing. It um, really highlights the issue of affordable uh, housing. The number one destination for people leaving the Bay Area is Sacramento. But that the number one destinations for... Californians leaving the state are places like Austin, San Antonio, Phoenix, Reno, Portland, Seattle, and Denver. They want to stay west. In fact, there's I think I just named all those cities other than Los Angeles, well, which is in the state, um, that's west of here, uh, or east of here, which, that's still west. But um, they're looking for jobs. But it, when you play out the math, uh, you look, a lot of these people want to buy a house, and they can't buy a house here. Or their rent's just too high, and they want to move to a place where, where it's a little a little bit more affordable, but the incomes, you, you run the math and you make a hundred thousand dollars here. You can't, you're, you're barely scraping it by, but you make $70,000 in another city and all of a sudden you can buy a house. So you start running the math and you may have to change careers or you may have to work from home, but you're all of a sudden buying a house. I just think there's a reality here that it's tough to ignore when you see California lost 516,000 households earning less than 50,000. For households earning 50000 or more, migration actually turned positive 62000 in the last 10 years. But 516000 to 62000 that's a big number. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it 10 times. 10 times as many 50000 or less leaving as people 50000 or more coming. And that's a problem because there are jobs out there that pay $50,000 or less. And they're meant to pay 50000 or less. And I can think of some right here at a radio station, you know. 20 years ago, I'm sure the money was better. 40 years ago, I'm sure the money was better, but times have changed. And a lot of people have left radio because of that. We also have uh, a lot of people have been living with at home. We have the, the most amount of millennials, people from, what, what is it, 1835, that are living at home in the last decade. So there's more people that are just basically either saving more money or they are realizing they can't afford here and they're leaving the state. So we have, there's several things that are happening. Um, you, you you can kind of tie this into your question of how does it end? If we continue seeing the affluent residents moving into the state, can it end? Um, it's going to take a bit longer. I mean, there's a lot of wealth here, Robin. There's a lot of diversity. Um, we just don't have that low end growing right now. There's a couple stats that came out talking about builders that they just aren't going after affordable housing. They're building high end housing. That's because there's another reason too is because there's more high end buyers coming in. Why would you build something for low end? I'm with you. It, it doesn't scare me. I think it's it's going to play itself out. I don't think it leads towards an end, though. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm just, I'm going to be fascinated to see what it looks like in 10, 20 years. 
because it's it's the changing landscape. My city that I live in, San Carlos, is having a get together, and it's called the Changing Face of Smaller Housing. And I'm like, who's hmm. sponsoring that? And just get ready for smaller housing. Probably a realtor. Probably a realtor. Probably a developer. Probably a realtor and a developer. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's a little Mizio. Don't know what Mizio means. Julie Chen exits the talk. Career move 180. As Les Moonves faces sexual misconduct allegations, how could she possibly talk and have opinions in that type of scenario? Same thing is being said exactly about Brett Kavanaugh right now. If the allegations are true, how could he possibly be a judge? And wouldn't he have to recuse himself from many cases? But how could he possibly be a judge is the bigger question, right? Oh, man. Taking a look at some of the things that are out there. Um, top stories. Again, you just kind of look at the monitors on CNBC and Bloomberg, and you see that there's not a lot of great news stories. It's a lot of uh, Tesla facing criminal probe over Elon Musk's statement. I kind of get it. If he tweets out that he's got funding secured for 420, which is oddly... You know, isn't that marijuana day? And the stock's at three seventy. Don't you think? Go, oh, that's an easy fifty bucks. Uh, why not? And then uh, he, funding wasn't secured. So Tesla facing criminal probe. That's a big story. Not only has he acted all kooky and weird, but uh, um, he, but again, maybe that's a twenty first century CEO. Like, who am I to say? Um, the electronic vehicle maker could raise two and a half billion in equity in the fourth quarter from investors. Um, that have strategic interest in its business model. Uh, that's too hot of a stock for me. It's what I would refer to as a civil war. You know, uh, too many people betting too many ways. On the same thought of marijuana, we've been talking about it for you know a few months now. Not the partaking in marijuana as a CEO story, but in the pot stocks are soaring again. And earlier we've done chats about marijuana and alcohol companies kind of wanting to hedge their bets, not wanting to leave that party alone. So a lot of top, a lot of pot stocks are doing quite well right now. That's a funny thing to say out loud, right? Pot stocks. Um, now, I would be cautious on that because last year the story was Bitcoin, right? This year the sexy story is marijuana. A sexy story is short Amazon, not short Amazon, short Tesla um, because of the CEO. And again, I don't, too dramatic for me. It's so funny. I saw one of my friends, Neil Hennessy, on CNBC, and he was talking about just boring stocks. <laughs> like, what's wrong with a boring stock like Casey's General Store? Neil Hennessy's got this. Uh, Doctor, he looks like Doctor Phil, and he kind of sounds like Doctor Phil. Um, and you know, he's like, they, they do gasoline pizza. I don't know if I'd buy sushi from a gas store. So he's kind of—I'm not going to say Warren Buffett. Maybe he's got—he's got, he's got, a, got some sort of uh, colloquial angle that he takes on storytelling. Uh, but it works for him. So, so that's out there. Big seminar coming up tomorrow. Thursday night, uh, 9.20, <laughs> so uh, September 20th, 6.30, at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, California. 
So that's out there. All the reviews are coming out now, and you can sign up for that event at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Use code radio 25 to get in for free. A lot of reviews coming out right now on Apple's watch. Faster speeds, larger screen, boring on paper, but an electro- electrical heart sensor gives a glimpse of the promise to come. A few days ago, um, Apple shows you, you know, a heart sensor that could do an ECG. Now, electrocardiogram, also known as EKG, uh, which can be used to diagnose cardiac problems. And it's kind of cool with Apple. Now, it's a software update. No, not quite. It's a hardware update. They didn't do too much more, and that's what a lot of the reviews are saying. And the feature doesn't actually work yet. Um, so that's out there. The Apple Watch EKG won't be nearly as comprehensive as one produced by a you know, a traditional one, and which hooks up to multiple body parts. Um, and I've had an EKG done before, and it was kind of cool, though. I've got a large heart. I was like, that is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? She goes, it's not a bad thing. And, you know, you hear stories about people with large hearts. And yesterday I went to the doctor because uh, I've, I've got two moles on my body. And one of them started bleeding. And this isn't a gross story. It's just, it is what it is. And uh, it was kind of nice. You know, it was one of those times where I'm not going to complain about insurance companies. But as you get older, you start caring more about your health. And Apple is kind of playing into that right now. As, as their watch gets older, as their phone gets older, as America gets older, you know, we're going to start looking more and more at wearable gadgets. And people feel pretty, you know, if your spouse were to get you a Christmas present this year, an Apple Watch that can do an EKG, would you go, oh, that's sweet. She cares about my health. Um, yeah, okay. So Apple's watch is getting great reviews in the superb fitness tracker that it has kind of built into it. Uh, my own shares of Apple. Consult a broker advisor for Dave Action on any stocks mentioned. Um, and they're the dominant watchmaker in America. Now, remember a couple of years ago, people were a little bit more leery. And now they're a little more glowing, waxing, nostalgic about how great it is. Um, so that's out there. Um, hmm. Other big stories of note. Nintendo's launching a Nintendo Switch online to kind of go where the kids are going. Online. So. <laughs> I was never a Nintendo kind of guy. Isn't it funny? We are Star Trek or, or Star Wars people. We, we, which one do you like more? I was never a Nintendo guy. I always liked the Wookiee. Eh, that's not true. I also liked a show called Battlestar Galactica. So I was truly an oddball. Big event coming up Thursday night. Let's look at the calendar tomorrow. 630 to 830, Los Gatos, California. CFP Chad Burton will be presenting state planning, tax efficiencies, income strategies. I'll be chit-chatting. You can find us at robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com, and use the code radio25 to sign up. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. CFB, Chad. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Good. What a train wreck. <laughs> oh. tough, man. I was, I was going to replay one of your segments earlier, later, and that didn't fire correctly. Uh, but we got you live and happy for it. Uh, big event coming up Thursday night. Look at your calendar. That's tomorrow. Uh, 6.30 to 8.30. 12.30 at 
Full House Hotel. Lots of information at newfocusfinancial.com. Read that information and see if it's appropriate for you because it's a big event. It's on taxes. It's on investing in retirement. It's on income strategies. It's a lot of content. Is it going to solve all of your retirement woes and needs? Probably not, but it's a good start. It's a good start to get to know CFP, Chad Burton, and myself as well. Find out more information at newfocusfinancial.com. So, Chad, one of the things you're talking about that's really, really tough to make interesting on radio is yield curves and flattening versus spreading out. Um, It it ties into the banks. It ties into money. It ties into lending. Why do we care, or why does the listener care in this scenario? Well, in a normal environment... If you're going to lock your money up for 10 years instead of two years, you want to be paid a higher coupon, right? A higher interest payment on a quarterly or annual basis if you're going to lock your money up 10 years, right? That that just seems pretty normal. Usually a two-year CD pays much less than a five-year CD at a bank. But right now, the two-year Treasury note is yielding around 2.8%, and the 10-year Treasury is at 3%. So that's what's called the flattening of the yield curve. The shorter-term rates have been coming up as the Federal Reserve has been dealing with interest rates, while the 10-year really hasn't been moving. In fact, every time it hits about 3%, it tends to be falling back down to around 2.85%. It's just this kind of roller coaster ride. So people just aren't getting paid to lock their money up a long period of time. Um, and it's the, that kind of issue causes some pain in bond funds, which tend to buy longer-term bonds. And people are going to notice a decline in their bond fund values for uh, this the year to date so far, Rob. So, you know, this this event that we're doing on Thursday is for people that are 10 years from retirement or in retirement. And that's the point where it's really key to start transitioning your portfolio allocation to make sure you're becoming a little bit more conservative. That typically means bonds. And so a lot of people are kind of at this FOMO if you're missing out on stock market returns and they're looking at bond funds saying, this is just not super attractive to me. So it's a tough situation for retirees to be in. Um, And I get it. And there's there's certain things that you might want to look at instead of just dumping it right into a bond fund. That is, like I said, it's pretty dry content. Um, it's tough to make that oh, sexy. And, well, no, no. It, it, that's what I, I think one of the problems is with investing and saving for retirement, don't you think? Is that people don't, you know, people kind of gravitate towards sexy and they're like, well, what can I do with Tesla? What can I do with weed stocks? What can I do with Bitcoin? Flattening the yield curve is kind of, it's dry, uh, but it's yep. important. So eh, I don't want to oversell that and uh, scare people. It is ultimately what it is. And you can find out more. Come talk to CFP Chad Burton, Thursday night, 630 to 830. Las Gatos, Toll House Hotel. A lot of information at newfocusfinancial.com. Use code radio25. Um, options, for inv- uh, options for investors. Are we talking stock options here? Are we talking about you know ideas as you head towards retirement options? Because well, when I get asked questions on retirement, I'm like, well, let me, th- let me finish that. When I get asked about retirement by people, I go, well, you have this option of working longer and making it easier for yourself, or you can try to start it now. Um, let's talk a little bit about bonds and retirement and, and options that people have, especially in this bond environment that's so dry in confusion. Yeah. yeah and what I was talking about at the 6 o'clock show is people are going to be looking, let's say you're 55 years old and you're, okay, i got to start adding bonds. And you start looking at the returns and your bond funds in your 401k. And you're, wow, the market's, the stock market's up, but bonds are actually down. So, like, PIMCO total returns down almost 2%. 
I think our total bond market index is down a little over 1%. Um, so people are kind of like, oh, well, maybe now is not the time to add. And they're not all like that. And even when interest rates rise, there are certain managers that can be okay during that type of an environment. So what are your choices in your 401k? You know you need to add some conservative positions, but you're worried about rising rates. Um, at least look at things like the stable value fund that might be in your 401k that still might be yielding around 2%, but is not as subject to interest rate increases and declines like some of the bond funds are. Let's say you're looking at your bond portfolio in your 401k, and you're like, oh, well, wait, Chet's bonds are down, but this strategic income fund is up. Well, the strategic income funds are names that I think should be disallowed, because a lot of those funds are junk bonds mixed with 5 to 10% in stocks. And so the returns have been good. However, if we go into a recession, those things get hammered pretty, pretty tough, and people right. aren't as conservative as they think they are. So... The other option is most 401ks now allow a brokerage link where you can open up an account within your 401k at Schwab or Fidelity or other places, and you can actually buy CDs inside your 401k um, or better bond choices. So maybe get some outside advice. Take a look at your bond portfolio, and is it right for you right now? Big event coming up Thursday night, 630 to 830. Um, I hope I don't get electrocuted because I was hearing some cutting in and out. That would make for good radio. So, And by the way, the mole I had looked at yesterday was not cancerous. So that's a that's a relief, right? <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I know, right? You know, that's probably like the one thing I'd never want to talk about on radio. Moles. It just doesn't work. It just like it's it's disgusting. Anyway, um Bond Lab. Yeah, you're still doing now, it. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what was the point. Thank you for showing the curtain what's behind it. Um so you just talked about bond products that have stocks mixed in and I've always known hybrid products have problems because it's easy to sell one way or the other, but it's it's still a problem. That's that's concerning. How about bond ladders? Because, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we were talking about, hey, get a one-year ladder and then get a one-year bond and then get a, a two-year bond and a three-year bond in retirement. And then in four years, you're, you're living off that one-year bond and you buy another one-year bond or a three-year bond at that point in time and you kind of ladder it up. Is that still a strategy? Because that was it was kind of simplistic and it was kind of easy to understand. Yeah, yeah. Prior to, to 2005 or so, that was kind of an easy thing to do is buy you know bonds. Laddering means you have chunks of money that, and what I would used to do is have large chunks of money mature in the bond portfolio every five years. So you could say, do I need to replenish my cash or do I need to just reinvest in you know 15 or 20 year bonds? And Prices got tough, um, interest rates got low, so it's like, why am I locking up money for 15 years at 4.5%? Um, so I say no to the bond ladder right now. Uh, on the other hand, there's certain places like Kathy Jones, Chief and Fixed Income Strategist Schwab, is still saying go out and buy, you know, start with a two year maturity type thing and then ladder from there. But look, I look online and I can see 12 month CDs from Synchrony Bank at 2.45% versus. You know, two and three, two to ten year bonds yielding about three. So, what's what's the point in buying individual bonds when you if you think rates will be higher? Park it in a CD for twelve months and buy then. Or what we do is we do a little bit of that for people's safe money, but then we still own normal bonds. We own some unconstrained bonds where the manager has the ability to hedge some rates and go anywhere, as well as companies that do institutional work only, so that you don't have retail investors running for the door if rates go up. And they're kind of in the three- to seven-year maturity range. That's where they're buying right now. And those bonds have done fairly well. 
Anything else that we should hit on, or just you want to plug the seminar? Well, uh, other options, too, like I said, it's brokers link inside your 401k, in-service rollovers if you're age 55 or older. Sometimes you can roll money out of your 401k into an IRA, but there's some pitfalls for that. Like You might not be able to do a Roth anymore. Um, so be careful with that. But just look at your overall options. That 10-year period, we'll talk about that at event. you got to get your expenses in order, your allocation in order, and your tax plan in order so that you'll be ready in 10 years to retire. Sounds good. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. You'll see uh, pictures of him and I there. You'll get all sorts of data that you can download for free. You can get um, read the blogs. There's that. There's the podcast available as well. And uh, come out and meet us. Sign up for the event Thursday evening, 6.30 to 8.30. That's 6.30 to 8.30 Thursday at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos, California. Big event. Um, Year's kind of wrapping up. And I always kind of like the wrap-up shows, like what to expect for the rest of the year and what to expect next year. Um, I think a lot of it's going to hinge on the midterm elections um, and the resolution of the tariffs when and if they do happen. But... Uh, we'll talk about some of these things for sure. Uh, retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar Toll House Hotel. Uh, very complicated retirement has become. And, you know, with the bond situation being what it is, if yields were higher, it'd be like, woohoo, let's cruise into retirement. But when yields are lower and you're saying, you know, stocks make more sense than bonds, but then valuations get stressed, are you prepared for a downdraft? That's a good, good, good question. Better to think about it before it happens. So you have your options, not stock options, but options, social security strategies, good and bad retirement products, long-term care costs, lots of content. You can sign up for the event at newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code radio25 to get in for free. Come out and hang out with me and Chad in Los Gatos. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. When it comes to money, you probably want to break some long-term goals into bite-sized chunks. When you get married, when you settle down, when you're with a sugar bugger, when you're raising a family, you got to start thinking things like college and future cars and homes and future homes. I think one of the things that's kind of struck me as a reality is as you start getting closer to 50, you start thinking, did I plan enough for colleges? Did I plan enough for taxes this year? So you always want to do things in bite-sized chunks. So start thinking college and then put a number on it. You don't have to solve it today. Take the weekend off. You don't have to solve it today. I hate advice like use a cash only diet to keep spending in check. That's just admitting that you're pathetic. If you can't stick with a credit card and know that you make $2,000 a month, don't spend more than $2,000 a month. And like, well, I just had a $73 lunch. You're probably going to spend more than $2,000 a month. You should have a feel for uh, where you're going to fall as far as your spending goes. And you should have different categories in your head. Your regular bills, they never fluctuate. I was just looking at my trash bill, doing my budget from last year. I know you're saying you still do budgets from the past year. Yeah. And for some reason, my trash gets billed heavy every other month. So it's like one month they bill for two months, and the next month they bill for one month. And I don't even know what I'm spending on trash. It's a trash! That's Adam Lackbar. He's my good buddy. Akbar died in the recent movie. No more Akbar. It's a trap. It's a trap! So look at your regular bills and then look at things that, you know, vary from month to month, like food and clothes and gifts. Think of some of your money in like a regular account. Think of some of it in a checking account. Think of some of it in an investment account. Don't look at it as, 
you know, it's all cash. I hate people who say, just look, you know, spend cash only. Uh, it's okay to keep something separate with your finances. Um, if that's the way you feel comfortable, that's the way you feel comfortable. But the, the thing is, is you have to agree on the bigger purchases and you have to agree on like, what number do you feel comfortable with? And if he wants to save and she wants to spend or he wants to spend and she wants to vacation or you kind of got to get on the same page, right? Um, have regular dates to talk about money. I know you're saying sexy. You mean like a, a date where we talk about how much we're going to spend in a masseuse? No, 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 no. <laughs> a date where you talk about money. You could keep the masseuses separate, okay? Keep the bedtime, love, and action separate than the money talks. Never talk about money when you're drunk. High, stone, uh, angry. Take the emotions out of money. So if you could handle it as a team, that's great. I could tell you as a guy who pays all the bills, who sees all the bills, who funds all the bills, um, who pays all the credit cards on time, who looks at the rewards and figures those out on time, I could tell you you could start to resent a partner pretty easily. If you're making all the decisions and you're paying all the bills and the other person's like, I'm going to go fill up the gas tank. I'm helping the family today. You could really get kind of angry at that person. It's like, okay, okay. Um, try to fit a budget that create, uh, try to get a, a budget that kind of like fits both of you. I will be honest with you. I wear a t-shirt, a hoodie, jeans, white socks, and one of two pairs of sneakers a day, typically 365 days of the year. There's a couple days where I break out sweaters and ski clothes and shorts when it gets really hot. It's hot out here, um, but it's not often. I don't spend a lot on clothes, but if I'm with someone who wants to spend a lot on clothes, I'm fine with that. It's just budget for it and make sure that, you know, we're good with that. So create a budget that fits both of your lifestyles. I find that one kind of important. So, you know, maybe my thing's video games or maybe my thing's buying magic gummy bears. You know, maybe my thing is watching, going to a, one sporting event a year. I find that people that have season tickets to things, that's just too much, isn't it? The best way to do season tickets is at least... Splitting them so you're only doing 25% of the games. Going to every game is like, it's a chore. You know, I would have loved to watch the Warriors live last night. I had to work. Glad I don't have season tickets because then I would be like, oh, I got to give away the tickets. But knowing that there's another game in like two days and knowing there's, you know, not, like it's too much. I once had season tickets. Probably the biggest thing I regret. There's a couple. Most of them have to do with women. Some of them have to do with scotch. But probably the biggest thing I regret in my life was buying season tickets with a friend to the Washington Capitals some 20 years plus ago, uh, 25 years. Think of me as just out of, high, out of college and spending $2,000, not on a car, not on a house, but on a sporting event that you had to drive to in rush hour. So no, it's not fun. It's not nice. It's no good. It's no bueno. I know you're saying, Rob, you're showing some true colors today. A hoodie and sneakers? You don't like season tickets? <laughs> really? I get carried away, carried away, carried away. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.